0: the right
1: Greetings this is podcast number 85 of Blast the right I'm Jack Clark from the rationalradical.com www.therationalradical.com Today, we'll start off by listening to the conclusion of my interview with that conservative bush-bashing scholar, Bruce Fine. What he has to say may again surprise you. Then, at long last, some listener email. We'll learn about an at least partial conversion of a right-winger. Also, in the announcements at the end, I'll have some information about a Blast the Right live call-in show, so stick around for that. Let's get right into it. My sources are the Toronto Star, USA Today, and the British newspaper The Guardian. In Podcast 81, we heard the beginning of my interview with conservative constitutional lawyer Bruce Fine. He's been an adjunct scholar at the American Enterprise Institute and a resident scholar at the Heritage Foundation. He's a commentator on mainstream media outlets and has testified before Congress on constitutional law issues here 's the main point Bruce Fine made in podcast eighty one
0: Bush basically has said i can I can dispatch my troops anytime, any place, anywhere i don 't need any authority from Congress, uh, and that tacitly suggests that even if Congress sought to use the power of the purse to end uh, our presence or to prevent carrying the war in Iraq into Iran, the President, if he said it 's important to national security uh... could go ahead
1: and violate that congressional limitation and expand the war these words were not spoken by a bush hating loony leftist no it was this heavily credentialed conservative constitutional scholar who said he would not put it past george w bush to go so far as to attempt to wage war even if congress cut off funds The rest of my conversation with Fine also contains some tasty nuggets, each of which can be used to rebut the talking points you'll undoubtedly be on the receiving end of from your less enlightened than Fine friendly local right-wingers. The three points Fine makes in this concluding part of the interview are 1. The threat level from terrorism needs to be honestly evaluated. two. Civil liberties violations are clearly not justified by any honest evaluation of the threat level. And three, the civil liberties violations that have occurred have, along with other factors, made us less, not more, safe. The threat level from terrorism needs to be honestly evaluated. My conversation with Bruce Fine picks up as follows after he and I finished discussing the potential Bush defiance of a fund cutoff.
0: One of the more troubling elements here is that none of the presidential candidates for 2008 has sought to distance themselves from these extravagant claims of the president, and the Democrats in the House and the Senate are relatively mute as well, uh, which suggests that there is a fear factor at work uh, in the country that is very uh, dangerous to the future of checks and balances and measured government. doesn't mean weak government, it doesn't mean that al-Qaeda isn't a threat, but it means addressing the threat in proportion to its actual dimensions rather than inflating it as though it was the combination of the Bolsheviks, Hitler, Hirohito, uh, and all the evil
1: in the history of the world. A combination of the Bolsheviks, Hitler, Hirohito, and all the evil in the history of the world. When you hear pro-Bush right-wingers like Sean Hannity rant and rave about the terrorism threat, they do seem to be scared out of their wits. Or at least they're trying to make us feel that way, as if all the evil in the history of the world were tumbling down upon us from the skies. As Fine and I continued speaking, I told him about a point I had made in Podcast 73. I'll refresh your memory what that podcast was about. Before the midterm elections, No doubt in desperate hope of scaring up a majority of GOP voters, the right wing had rolled out its World War III propaganda effort. The war on terrorism was World War III. Thankfully, as we know, the public was not bamboozled, not stampeded into voting for the GOP to save them from World War III. Quite the opposite. I pointed out in Podcast 73 that the right's failure to raise an army commensurate with the 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 all-the-evil-in-the-history-of-the-world threat they were, and still are, shouting about, shows that these right-wingers don't believe their own rhetoric about the true level of threat we face. Here's what I said to Fine. Yes, uh, in one of my podcasts, I mentioned in World War II we raised an army of 16 million, and that was on a population base of 135 million. So, if if Saddam Hussein or Osama bin Laden or Osama bin Laden or the whole bunch of them put together was the sum total of all those villains that you said. Uh, we should have an army of 35 or 40 million now commensurate to fight them, but we're trying to do it with 140,000 troops and no draft, which shows yeah, and to remember, me.
0: They remember, 9-11 is a much of an abomination as it was, and it surely was that. Um, it was 19 folks. It was not a Red Army with 3 million. It was not the Soviet Union with scientists who could build nuclear, chemical, biological weapons. It wasn't the Soviet Union with ICBMs that could carry 3,000 nuclear warheads across the ocean. It wasn't the Soviet Union with a huge industrial and economic base to continue the war. This is Al Qaeda. There's no doubt that they're very dangerous and a savage enemy, but they are not uh, at all like our enemies in the Cold War and World
1: War II. I mean, Germany and Japan militarily conquered a good portion of Europe and Asia. They could have invaded the US and made a serious attempt at taking us over. Does anyone in their right mind think Al-Qaeda has that capability? Don't tell me pro-Bush right-wingers may think that. I said anybody in their right mind. Seriously, what are we looking at as far as a terrorism threat? Guys with box cutters conquering our nation? I don't think so. Suicide bombers? They can cause damage in a particular locale, but pose no threat to our national entity. What about the smoking gun that can come in the form of a mushroom cloud? A nuke blast in one of our cities, God forbid, could kill and injure hundreds of thousands, but again, no threat to our national survival. Which leads to the analysis Fine then made for our second point today. The level of threat we face does not justify the Bush administration's trampling of our Constitution. It's beginning the wholesale curtailing of our civil liberties.
0: That's why we have been successful for five years after 9-11 without having any other additional terrorism incidents despite the fact that we have not had a single trial by military commission um, and we have been able to survive those five years without suspending the writ of habeas corpus uh, because it's not get out of jail free we shouldn't be the suicide pact is not the constitution but we should not exaggerate and shortcut due process and fairness and create poster children for recruiters for al-qaeda like maher arar by doing things that we invite injustices, egregious injustices, that then are turned against us by those in the Middle East and elsewhere who will say, this is the United States, this is why you have to join the terrorists.
1: The gentleman you just referred to was the Canadian Mahir Arar was
0: a Canadian right. Syrian citizen who was deported by the United States to Syria, knowing he would be tortured. He was tortured there. He returned to Canada. The Canadians apologized for the error of misidentifying him as a suspected terrorist the united states has refused to apologize he still stays on a watch list even though the canadians have come personally to brief the united states and say we don't see anything in your possession that insinuates that mr rr is a terrorist and in his litigation against the united states seeking damages for alleged wrongdoing instead of defending on the merit saying what we did was right the united states government has said state secrets privilege. We can't disclose anything to show you uh, what we've done and therefore dismiss the case without evaluating the merits of our deportation and the torture.
1: Let me tell you a bit more about developments in the Maher-Arar case. The outsourcing of torture is known as extraordinary rendition, where, quote, detainees are transferred to countries where there are substantial grounds to believe they could be tortured, close quote. Unlike our own shameful bush administration the Canadian government stepped up to the plate and did the right thing they quote issued a formal apology to arar in january and awarded him 11.5 million dollars in compensation close quote in direct contrast the us government insists on keeping arar on a no fly list without offering any justification why There are serious efforts in Congress underway to curtail this element of the Bush administration's pro-torture policies. Representative Ed Markey, a 16-term Democrat from Massachusetts, is leading the way in the House of Representatives. In the Senate, Democrat Patrick Leahy of Vermont and Republican Arlen Specter of Pennsylvania are the point men. What's Markey doing? He's introduced an outsourcing of torture bill that would outlaw the outsourcing of torture, outlaw extraordinary rendition. Markey's bill, quote, would compel the administration to compile a list of countries known to abuse and torture prisoners and prevent the deportation of anyone to any of them unless the Secretary of State certified that the country in question no longer practiced abuse. A diplomatic assurance from the country would no longer suffice. Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez has cited such an assurance from Syria in attempting to justify Arar's 2002 rendition to Syria from New York's JFK airport, even though that country had been on a State Department list of human rights abusers. Quote. This Alberto Gonzalez, what can I say about him that wouldn't earn this podcast an X rating? Syria gave us diplomatic assurance Arar wouldn't be tortured. Please, the whole purpose of sending him there was so that he would be tortured. Do these anti-torture measures have a chance for passage? Markey says he's optimistic given the new Democratic-controlled Congress. Let's take a quick break. Your one-minute voting report. Thanks to all of you who voted. We're now number seven on the Podcast Alley Top Ten. Please keep those votes coming in. Expanding Blast the Rights audience and thus spreading the progressive message is very important to me. As always, here's my offer you can't refuse, or so I hope. You get two hours a month of a podcast you like to listen to, and all I ask in return is ten seconds of your time once a month to vote for Blast the Right at Podcast Alley. You can vote from the one-click link on the podcast homepage. Two hours for ten seconds. You could even go vote right now if you want to. Deal? Cool. (coughs) The third and final point Fine makes is that Bush administration policies like the curtailment of civil liberties are not making us safer because they're increasing, not decreasing, the pool from which terrorists draw eager recruits. We should not exaggerate
0: and shortcut due process and fairness and create poster children for recruiters for al-Qaeda like Maher Arar by doing things that we invite injustices, egregious injustices that then are turned against us by those in the Middle East and elsewhere who will say this is the United States, this is why you have to join the terrorists.
1: Remember Donald Rumsfeld's famous query in an October 16, 2003 memo? Quote, today we lack metrics to know if we are winning or losing the global war on terror. Are we capturing, killing or deterring and dissuading more terrorists every day than the madrasas and the radical clerics are recruiting, training, and deploying against us? Close quote. Clearly, the answer is, Bush's policies have caused us to lose according to that metrics. We're creating countless poster children for Al-Qaeda recruiters. The evidence? Worldwide public disapproval and outright anger at the United States has skyrocketed since we invaded Iraq. Here's what a Pew Research Center poll found this past summer. Quote, George Bush's six years in office have so damaged the image of the U.S. that people worldwide see Washington as a bigger threat to world peace than Tehran, according to a global poll. Close quote. To repeat, quote, "people worldwide see Washington as a bigger threat to world peace than Tehran." The Washington-based Pew Research Center, in a poll of 17,000 people in 15 countries between March and May, found more people concerned about the US presence in Iraq than about Iran's alleged nuclear weapons ambitions. The Pew Center said, quote, Despite growing concern over Iran's nuclear ambitions, the U.S. presence in Iraq is cited at least as often as Iran, and in many countries much more often, as a danger to world peace. Close quote. How bad are the numbers? Quote, the survey carried out annually shows a continued decline in support for the U.S. since 1999. Even in the United Kingdom, Washington's closest ally, Favorable ratings have slumped from 83% in 1999 to 56% this year. The pattern is similar in France, down from 62 to 39%, Germany 78 to 37%, and Spain 50 to 23%. In Muslim countries with which the U.S. has traditionally enjoyed a good relationship, such as Turkey, a member of NATO, and Indonesia, there have also been slumps. In Indonesia, favorable ratings for the US have dropped from 75% to 30%, and in Turkey from 52% to 12%. Close quote. It's so bad that quote, two countries, Germany and Italy, have started proceedings which would end with charges laid against CIA agents for the kidnappings of citizens. Close quote. Remember my mantra, whatever a right winger says, The exact opposite is true. They claim Bush's way of conducting his War on Terror and the Iraq War have made us safer. No, it's made us less safe, as the pool of millions or tens of millions or even hundreds of millions of people around the world who would support attacks on the U.S. grows. So there you have it. To review the substantive points that you can now throw in the face of your friendly local right-winger, One, the threat level from terrorism is not insignificant, but nowhere near the threat levels we faced in World War II or the Cold War. Two, civil liberties violations are clearly not justified by any such honest evaluation of the threat level. And three, the civil liberties violations by the Bush administration, along with the Iraq War, have made us less, not more safe because these violations in the war expand the pool of potential terrorists. For goodness sake, ask your friendly local right-winger, we've got Germany and Italy suing us for human rights violations. Doesn't that make even them pause? And be sure to add that what you just told them reflects the views of Bruce Fine, a rock-ribbed conservative scholar and mainstream media commentator. If he can see the light, why can't they? Tell them to take off their blinders before it's too late. Finally, after all these weeks of promising, I'll get to at least one email sent in to Blast the Right. This is from someone who asked to be identified as a listener from Columbia, Tennessee. Here's the email. Dear Mr. Clark, I've been listening to your podcast for about a year, and it has always been my favorite. The issues you address, such as poverty, workers' rights, and the pseudo-Christian attitude of some Republicans are dear to me. Thank you for all you do. I work with a fellow who has all the hallmarks of a right-winger. Mark likes to defend Walmart's business practices, believes that people who don't lift themselves out of poverty belong there, would like our government to shoot Mexicans at the border, and thinks that all gays will burn in hell. Need I go on? Each week, for some time now, I have been bending his ear with highlights of your podcasts. Imagine his surprise when he learned how very few people actually receive any type of welfare and how so many more are the working poor. I encouraged him to listen to my iPod if he liked. One day, he took notes from the episode about the laws surrounding Enron. He told me he was going to take it to his night class. He's working on his master's degree in business, health management, I think. He actually told me that he voted for a Democrat this past election. It's a good start, although he still has a soft spot for the ultra-rich, for whatever reason. So, Jack, I just wanted to let you know that your words are being heard, and not just by people like myself who hold the same views. Thank you for your time and your attention to detail. It's in the details that you root out the devilish right wing. End of email. Okay, perhaps not a complete conversion yet, But fantastic job, listener from Columbia, Tennessee. I wrote back, quote, Thanks so much for writing in. It's stories like yours that make it all worthwhile. I'm so happy to see you put my information to work. About Mark, you're right. It is a good start. Please let me know if there are further signs of conversion with him. Close quote. Perseverance. You know, we often don't get those 100%, oh, you're right, I'm now a strong progressive through and through, type moments. The conversion process often moves forward in fits and starts. In his vote for a Democrat this past election, Mark was not alone in that many, usually Republican voters, crossed over. So sometimes the overall atmosphere has to be right for your efforts to pay off. On the other hand, maybe Mark would have done so regardless of the national mood. Often, we'll never know these things precisely. In Buddhism, there's a concept called Upaya. It's a Sanskrit word that we translate as skillful means. A Buddhist teacher will use skillful means to guide his or her student to enlightenment. The teachings, in other words, are creatively matched to the spiritual development level of the student, as well as to his or her background, education, personality, etc. Experiential, non-book learning methods may well be part of Upaya. We progressive teachers need to use skillful means to guide our right-wing students. Okay, that's one way of looking at it. Maybe it'll give us more patience that way we progressive teachers need to use skillful means to guide our right-wing students to political enlightenment, to the eye-opening, angelic-sounding, earth-shaking realization that the progressive goal, our goal, of reducing human misery, suffering, pain, and death, is a worthy one, and that the policies we support will get us there. Perseverance, upaya, and our golden progressive hearts will, in the end, prevail. I'm sure of it. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at PodcastAlley.com. There's a one-click link to do each of those on the podcast homepage. You get to the podcast homepage by typing in Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. A special shout out to all you Live 365 and Red Dragon 365 listeners. Great to have you on board. Consider coming over to the podcast homepage and subscribing. Here's the programming announcement. Blast the Right will be expanding in scope. I now know the technology exists to do a live call-in show. Two websites that provide this service are Talk Shoe and Blog Talk Radio. There are others, I think. If anyone out there, podcasters or listeners, have experience with any of these services, pro or con, please drop me a line and let me know your experience. That'll help me decide which service to use. Live call-ins from friendlies and right-wingers. Should be interesting. Does anyone out there know Java? Not JavaScript. But Java, the kind you need to compile. I have a five-minute modification of some Java on my website that I need done. If you can help me, please drop me a line. And now a word from the Progressive Podcast Network. The Progressive Podcast Network. Now we are the media. Listen to your media. Take your country back. Progressive Podcast Network.org. Music credits. The break music was LA Nightmare by Twenty Two Caliber and Not The One Blues by Burn she Thornside. The bumper music was No Justice, No Peace by Wacky Avelli. and we'll close with a little bit of Clinton is to Blame O by the Freedom Toast. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Keep all that great email coming in. My address is rational at Adelphia.net. You can also call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. If you prefer, you can leave your comment on Skype. My name there is Jack from Blast the Right. So until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls.